The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota. Listen, food brings out the passion in people, so let's talk about food together. Common Ground Minnesota is an online resource for you to do that, and it's 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 run by volunteer women farmers from Minnesota of all walks. We're talking big farms, small farms, we're talking dairy, we're talking produce. These women in agriculture are growing and raising the food that we all eat. We love to have a chat with them about what it, what it means to be sustainable, and what does it mean when they're using pesticides, and why are they doing it. All of this is available at Common Ground Minnesota website. It's commongroundminnesota.com. And then on that new website, you guys, there are videos, there's you know FAQs, there's topics, there's a great blog, all sorts of things, and recipes. And farm dogs, too, by the way. So there you go. Commongroundminnesota.com is your great resource for everything food and families and farms. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at commongroundminn. Nom, nom on with the my talk chicks and we will eat on eat on the weekly dish I'm Steph March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese this weekend. Good morning. Hey, gang. How And uh, we're basically, you know, kind of, I realized like we're tipping off to Easter, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. Um, but before that, before we talk a little bit about that kind of fun stuff, I did want to check in. We had one uh, person online who was asking about this. She says, Lee is attempting to make a steak for the first time tonight. I got filet mignon from Trader Joe's. How do I do this? And mm-hmm. she likes it medium rare. And you and I have a probably a similar answer to this. We are big into the reverse sear situation, right? Yes. Okay, so um, this is what we've been doing nonstop with steak and with pork chops, and it's fully changed my steak and pork chop game at home. Okay. And I be, my mind, it's been my husband's. Yeah. So the idea of the reverse sear is that you're going to cook it kind of low and slow to get it up to the medium like a rare temp probably on the inside. Right. So I'd say if if she's thinking medium rare, she's at about 115. 115. Yeah. So, so she should get it to like 110. Yeah. Yeah. Get it to like 110 um, slow. So I think Jay on the egg does that at like, I think only like two, 300 degrees. Yeah. 300 300 degrees. I wouldn't go above 300, especially because she did send a little, and it's these, it's two little, it's two sort of pucks of beef of filet mignon, which is great. Yum. So I would totally, I would actually just like do a little quick salt and pepper on both sides. And then stick them in. Do you do like a baking pan or what do you, how do you do it? He just does it right on the grill. Oh, he does. Okay. Um, But you could also do it in the oven. Yep. Um, and just do it low and slow uh, and then just check that temp. And then once you get it to the 110, mm-hmm. take them out and then either crank up a cast iron skillet on your stove or crank up the grill to like at least 500. Yep. And then you just sear the outside probably a minute aside stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You want to just check it. And I would say that this would be that what I like to do with these guys at this point is like to put that, get your super, super hot oil going in your cast iron pan. And I use, I use my cast iron Dutch oven so I don't get splatter. Yeah. And then that's where then, and then I, you know, I throw the steak in on the first, on the first side and I do a little bit of butter. And then, you know, I kind of do that thing where I'm basting, 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 and then I flip and I base, 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 base. And you kind of get that nice little crustiness to it. Yeah. And if you want to just do it on the grill and then not really do a base, 
tasting. Yeah. Then, um, I mean, make some sort of delicious compound butter. Yeah. Do oh, like yeah. a chive garlic in butter. Yes. And mix it together and then put it back in the fridge um, and then just put a scoop of it on top of it. When it comes out, it's going to be sick good. Yeah, especially with filet mignon because there's not a lot of fat in that one. That's why they use compound butters and stuff on those specifically so that you kind of get that little bit of luxury that you're that the meat is so beautifully tender, but you want that little bit of fat flavor, throw a butter on it for yeah, sure. Yeah, you do. So reverse sear is the method that we're talking about. Yep. So if we went through it kind of quickly and you're like, uh, how do I do that? Just look up how to reverse sear a steak. Yeah. And then you're going to go, oh my gosh. And then I'm telling you, you'll never make a steak a different way again. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, like I haven't, I, I think I've stopped doing it and I do it with ribeyes. You can do it with fillets. I do it with ribeyes. I yeah. do it with again, bone in. It's delicious. It's really great with bone in because you get a little bit more control of the temp because you're doing it slowly. Yeah. You know, and bone in can get wonky because it gets, it's a different temp near the bone versus on the outside of it. And so. then what we've noticed so much is that you end up getting this, um, a really pure pinkness in the middle yes. versus like gray and then a shot of pink. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest fail for me on meat is when you get that gray ring. I I hate it. I I hate it. That's why this is like, this is good stuff. (laughs) That was a good question. That was a good question. Okay, thanks, Lee. Good luck to and send us a pic if you want. Um, Okay, guess what? It's time for top two and hour two. Give him the old one, one, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. Win it, win it. All right, this is the time of the show, you guys, where we talk about a couple of things that we are super in love with right now. Um, I'm going to let you start. What's your first one? Okay, first up is Cheesecake Funk. Woo! I love Vanessa so much. So uh, we had Vanessa from Cheesecake Funk on Twin Cities Live this week. We'd featured a story on her previously, and one day I stumbled into the Twin Cities Live office and saw cheesecake sitting on the counter, <laughs> and so immediately started eating it and was like, what as, is this? As one does. As one does. <laughs> And I was like, what is happening here? Turns out it's cheesecake funk. So Vanessa used to work at Paisley Park. Yeah. She would make cheesecake as a hobby and then she would bring it in to her coworkers and leave it in the fridge. Uh, Prince went in, I'm sure, in the middle of the night and was hungry and opened the fridge and found this cheesecake and ate it and loved it. Yeah. And was obsessed with it and um, posted about it and the whole thing. And so then Vanessa has since turned this into her full-time gig. You can get her cheesecake now at all Crave restaurants. Um, there are some other restaurants where you can get it as well, and you can buy it directly from her. And this would be such a good idea for Easter to get one of these cheesecakes. And sometimes I think flavored cheesecakes are annoying because they're not as good as... I Like, they, they miss the purity of just the cheesecake. Right, right. And she does such a beautiful balance of, like, a banana cream cheesecake tastes like cheesecake with banana cream, oh. not banana cream with a little bit of cheesecake. I'm telling you. And she really just uses super simple ingredients that are the best. We had a whole discussion about vanilla extract and how the best vanilla extract makes a huge difference. It does. It really does. paste makes a huge difference. Yes. Even though it's $25 a flipping jar. I know. I know. I've been buying it. I know. You got to do it. If you care about your baked goods, you got to do it. Yeah. Get her cheesecakes. Um, She's a joy. She is. She's. I'm so happy to watch her meteoric rise in this. It just... It just makes me ecstatic. She's an example of somebody who has a real passion for something and doing one thing really well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. And every time she gets into a new place, she gets a new account and there's restaurants doing her, you know, carrying her cheesecake. She shouts it out. And it's just it's it's just it's it's just sort of infectious is what it is. I know. It's really, really great. So that's my first one. What do you have? Okay, so I'm going to talk about uh, this place that I know that you know about uh, because I think they said that they had been hanging out with you. But it's Axbridge Wine Company. In the North Loop, and it's run by the Shram Vineyards people. I know, and our reporter Kelly Hansen was just out at Shram Vineyards, yep. and then she was showing uh, us video of what Axbridge Winery looks like in the North Loop, and I was like, give me those green velvet sofas Ugh. right now. Listen, here's what I love about this. I got to tell you, I don't know if you got to talk to Aaron Shram at all. I didn't, but, but Kelly did, and she looked darling. Oh, my God. No, well, Aaron is the guy... Alicia is the woman. Alicia, okay. Yeah, but Aaron is the man who is, this is a guy who has been making wine on his own. This is a man with a calling. He's been making wine since he was 19. Like, he just started making it at home. And then he was, like, sort of, he could have gone to California and become, like, that guy, right? That totally winer. Instead, he said, I want to stay here and do Minnesota wine. And that's a tall order. That is a huge order. And the entire reason of them building a winery, production winery, and a tasting room in the North is because he really wants to break everybody's feelings and thoughts about Minnesota wine. He wants to break it down. And he says, let's start from fresh. Don't compare us to California. Don't even try to compare us to France or Italy or Argentina or anywhere else. Just think about us as Minnesota wine and let's start there. Yeah. And it's really interesting because he's got a lot to say about the fact that, you know, I mean, we're a young, you know, they've been doing things for five years or 10 years and they are just, they're still learning things that, of course, other industries in other states who've been doing this for so much longer knew a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And also for the fact of, you know, these grapes that are being developed as cold hardy grapes by the U of M um, you know and we've talked about that with Leslie Miller about how important that is but that still is a young agricultural science and I think it's so interesting to be a part of this well and when you think about the more things that we can be growing here oh. because I mean a, a vineyard is a grape farm yeah I mean that's, that's what it, it is it's agricultural product yeah that's exactly what we it is we do that really good yeah the more that we can grow here and that we you can consume local I mean you're lessening the carbon footprint totally. you're buying directly from people in your community I mean this is what we talk about with food all the time we talk about that with beer here we talk about that with cider yeah and to have it be the same with wine is great oh i'm excited to go yeah. to this little place so it's open as of today the grand opening is today i think they open at noon they think they're gonna and it's just it's you know all minnesota wines that you can go and sip and try flights you can schedule tastings the thing that i'm most excited about and when he gets his feet underneath him with this stuff and um, we're gonna have him on and we're gonna talk about his small batch sparkling wines that he's gonna bring Ooh. i know i'm very excited about this program he's gonna launch all right so that is so let's get your second one in before we go okay my second one is Sabai's the donut hole i don't know anything about this girl get in the car and go to shakopee oh i know it seems like a lot but no that's totally where i have to go it. get my vax this is so. a family-owned donut shop in shakopee they do texas style donuts so there's something different about the dough and um our other twin cities live reporter Kristen Hobrick did a story on this fabulous family that runs this little donut shop it is now they have lines down the block they're selling out and she brought the donuts in. I could not believe how good they were. Wow. I mean, I've been thinking about them ever since. They also have bubble tea that's unreal. Yes. And um, they have a line at like 
all day. Oh my God. She's like, they said basically, <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys put them on and then they're like, we just sold out of everything. We sold out of everything. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so I think they're going to have to up production, yeah. but it's called Sabai's The Donut Hole. Okay. And again, it's a family run operation in Shakopee. This wonderful little family. I mean, they, I don't even think they have a website. They just they have a Facebook t- page. They have a Facebook page. And, and uh, yeah, you, oh, they've got the Texas style kolaches. Yes, they do. That's what we're talking about because that is a whole thing. That that's a whole show. We should and their do that. Apple show. fritters are unbelievable because they use full chunks of apple. Okay, and they are the appliest apple fritters I've ever had in my life, Stephanie. Oh my and God. I know you love an apple fritter. I really do love an apple fritter. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we actually have Mike Brown from Travail calling in, so we'll kind of find out the update of what's going on there. So we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish, brought to you by Hornitos. Hello, dishers. Are you wondering if it's time to sell your house? Are you hearing about the hot market and wondering if you should start looking? I am so glad I did. I worked with Carrie Elkst and Sue Durfee to sell my town home and buy a single family home in Golden Valley. You can get so much more for your money. Interest rates are so low, you can spend up to 20% more on a house and have a similar payment that you could have had three years ago. It's also never been a better time to sell because there are way more buyers than there are sellers. I was just looking at condos with Ellie and she can buy for cheaper than she could rent. When it's time, she's going to need someone that will know the first time buyer programs and how to present the best offer. I think I told you we had multiple offers on both the buyer side and the seller side when we sold our townhome and Carrie and Sue's experience was invaluable in getting the deal done. Things like when you can close, cash up front and other factors can help secure your offer when it's not necessarily the highest offer. Ask Carrie and Sue for the hot dish special they are offering only to Weekly Dish listeners. If you're in the market to buy and sell a home, find Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee at CarrieandSue.com at Lakes Area Realty. They represent buyers and sellers all over the Twin Cities and really love Weekly Dish and would love to help you buy or sell your next home. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us. Um, hey, we're being joined by Mike Brown of Travail today. Are you there, Mike? Oh, hello. Oh, good morning. How yeah. are you? Good morning. We're here Good with Elizabeth. Morning. We're here with Elizabeth Reese too, just in case you have you know, you just woke up or anything. <laughs> Who is like. that voice? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been up with the kids for a little while here. That's, I hear you on that one. That's true. You guys are both in that va- in that uh, phase of life. I'm not. Anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> It's all great. So we want to talk a little bit about, you know, I, we always bring you on to kind of give us the check-in with the restaurant world and stuff. You're kind of our patron mascot, I think, at this point. So, <laughs> But we want to talk yeah. a little bit about what you guys are doing for Easter, because I do think that there are people who are still looking for that Easter box takeout option. And I think that you guys have such a cool thing going on. Yeah, our Easter meal is a big, beautiful package, and it's uh, prime rib and ham oh, and yum. the ham is a ron burgundy glaze <laughs> what does that mean tell us yeah. about this so we have a famous drink that's famous to us at least for the people that follow us yeah. it's called the ron burgundy it's this wonderful scotchy scotch uh rob roy kind of manhattan yeah. vibe and we've reduced it down into a wonderful syrup and that's what glazes your ham and people are loving it we, we did it last year and it was a big hit so we're keeping it going you know Oh, that's great. Because I think they trick to uh, the the glaze really elevates a ham. I mean, a ham is wonderful, but like when you get some delicious glaze on it, it's just unbeatable. Absolutely. And um, this is also one of those things that we, you know, uh, anytime anybody gets one of our family meals, which is kind of fitting into we've been doing a meal every week during the, the whole pandemic time frame, 
you, you got a lot of food coming. <laughs> how much? Okay, so how much is it for a box? Because I know that it's, but again, you're doing so much food within that box. Right. So it's $200. Yep. But you get, um, like I said, you get two pounds of uh, prime rib, uh, three pounds of ham, roasted fingerling uh, potatoes with potato creme fraiche, uh, asparagus with uh, garlic parmesan sauce, an arugula salad with citrus and goat cheese, uh, a soup, uh, it's like a, Mushroom soup with Italian sausage and mushrooms. Shrimp cocktail. You get a pound of shrimp cocktail. No way. Get buns from Alex and a carrot cake. Oh, and a carrot cake. I love it. That's so it's, great. It's a heavy one. It's a heavy one, but it feeds six people like with ease, like with ease. Well, and can a lot I, of food. And then it's all done, and it's like really elegant, and you've got all these different varieties because that's the thing. If you're trying to make all of those different things yeah, no. at home, it's a real pain in the patootie. Right. Forget it. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big time meal deal for sure. And there's some add-ons that you can do. There's a like a wagyu and black truffle. Uh, well, I don't know if you want to get a little bit more bougie. There's also a caviar add-on. There's some oh. mini lobster rolls you can add on. Uh, Alex, uh, our pastry chefs do it a quiche, vegetarian, or the old classic bacon cheddar <coughs> uh, spinach one. So there's lots of options out there once you look at the uh, the ordering site. So. Now, do you think that you guys are going to keep doing um, meal kits as we kind of roll things open, or is that going to be too much? Or, you know, how do you it's think? It's one of those things where we're going to kind of take it take it in stride, but I think it's something that we don't want to let go of. We're yeah. uh, still doing our cooking classes for our members once a month. Um, so Travail members that have signed up last year, we're going to do a little, another little release, I think, uh, in the middle of the year if people want to get on board with these cooking classes. Basically, the cooking class gets delivered to your house, the food, and then um, we uh, do a video on how to how to put these things together. We've done some really cool stuff the last uh, four months. So, um, But the the family meal kind of fits into that, into that category as well, so I think we might Maybe, maybe do it a little maybe once a once a month type of thing, and just see if it's still something that people want to dig into. But it's been a, the main support of our restaurant since since uh, you know last uh, March. Wow, so it's yeah, a big deal. I, I like that idea though of, of feeding six people with that you know kind of takeout deal, and you get to just have that wonderful experience at home. And I you know I do think that's going to be something that is a shift. You know, people have. Restaurants have gotten so good at creating a takeout experience for people. It used to be, you know, just kind of like, I, you know, I remember working in restaurants and somebody would call and be like, can I do an order for takeout? And I'd be like, oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> you know, and now it's... Yeah, everyone's it's, totally got a different vibe. Everyone has a different vibe you know, and they figured out how to package it and how to make it really work well. And um, and I think people like that experience. I mean, delivery, too. I mean, we're... We, we actually, this meal you can have delivered to your house, but I think people are like, have a whole different idea of what delivery is. Restaurants, especially, that adding delivery programs to their to their restaurants that you would never expect yeah. to have one, right? So, yeah. And those of us with little tiny people, I mean, sometimes going out to a restaurant isn't a possibility no. because they run our lives. No. And we can't get a babysitter every five minutes. I and, think that's the biggest right. change. I think the people who are like, well, we can't eat restaurant food because we can't tow our people with. Yeah. That has changed dramatically that they've been able to get that sort of cooking. And I think that's good for the dining scene because that hooks them in earlier, you know? Right. I think so. It's true. Um, okay. But uh, one you, last uh, thing about this uh, Easter thing is yeah. that you can buy a ham to donate to uh, uh, Prism uh, Food Shelf, um, and every meal that we sell, we're going to donate a ham. So oh, we have a lot of ham to donate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the ham on the road, man. We're going ham Lots on ham. 
<laughs> gallons and gallons of Ron Burgundy glaze <laughs> going out for Easter this year. I love it. God. Yeah. Now, but you are, I mean, like, you things are rolling and you are opening up, you know, more areas of your restaurant sort of empire. Talk about what's your next phase is. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're going from, from what we were doing during the pandemic, which is mostly just takeout, um, to we've been really focusing on picking my pizza's patio. Yeah, it's a great like patio. Huge. And, um, and now we're focusing on getting the different um, levels of trail open. The first thing we're going to do is open the, um, the bar uh, in the basement beginning of April here mm-hmm. with uh, Nathaniel Smith, our bar director. And we just did a bunch of tasting of a bunch of different types of food that we want to serve down there. And I'm uh, really excited about it because it was actually the one thing we got open before the pandemic hit. Um, so we, we have a little, a little vibe of what we wanted to do. So now we get to actually kind of bring that back and add to it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's going to be ticketed only and you're going to have two seatings, right? So people are going to yeah. have to make reservations. This isn't like a wander in and hang out thing, right? It's not a wander in and hang out thing. It eventually will be, yeah. but I think, you know, there are still some like reservation restrictions that we're just going to, you know, obviously keep following and um, there'll still be kind of reservations available but uh, once we're allowed to kind of go a la carte and kind of open up things fully, you know, it still kind of affects bars a little bit more than than restaurants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. instead of having a 40-seat bar, we have a 20-seat bar, you know, uh, bar area because you really – bars are a little bit more, more compact, you know. So yeah, you know, kind of have to reserve – We. I do think Good. it's you're seeing people, though, that are, I mean, I think you're just seeing people out and about more. You know, we popped over to our little neighborhood Absolutely. Longfellow Grill um, the other night with the kids, and um, and it was, every table was full. Now, granted, they have it down to capacity. They don't have as many tables there, so there's more space, but I was just really happy to see a lot of people eating in there. I yeah. think. For yeah, sure. I think it's coming back. And I do think that, you know, as you were, we were, we were kind of chatting about how people are getting vaccinated and you find that more and more of your workers are getting vaccinated. Do you feel like that that's yeah. happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of our workers are getting vaccinated. I know you know that. It's a I've challenge. Been, it's been a challenge. It's a challenge. Um, and I've been chatting with you about, you know, how we've made a really hard push to get people vaccinated, not only ourselves, but. Hey, do you want to hold on? Let's, the industry. Hey, will you hold on so we can come back to this? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, but stay in the line and we'll we'll talk about this in a second. Okay, we'll be right back, you guys. weekly disher spring is sprung and that means the best tasting wild-caught seafood is available from sitka salmon you may have heard us talk about sitka salmon before on the show and that's because we are huge fans sitka salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because you see sitka salmon is a community supported fishery the fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my instant pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So, Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka salmon share.
Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese. And we have Mike Brown still on the line from Travail. Hello, hello. You're still here. This is so great. I'm still here. Good, because I did want to talk about this because I think that there's a lot of questions about, uh, you know, vaccinations and, and how the service industry is, uh, you know, getting them or not getting them. And I know you've been really, really involved in this process. So tell us a little bit about, yeah, um, you know, how it's going. Well, well, we've, we've, we've made a very big push to try to get all, all of our people vaccinated, but at the same time, trying to get more people in the industry vaccinated and I've been working with uh, hand in hand with two champions on this, uh, Katie Kalen from Fair State and uh, Megan Leafblad, and we teamed up with um, Hy-V, uh and uh, with the, a pharmacist named Pat. <laughs> and it it's crazy. It, it seemed like something that was impossible, but we were able to actually open up a small clinic for <clears throat> just a small amount of people that we were able to reach out to to uh, do vaccinations at Pig and My Pizza and it's been something that's been super fulfilling and what an amazing bookend to what's happened to our industry is to watch people that have been dealing with this for day in and day out, finally get that sense of relief that they are able to get vaccinated. So, um, and it's just crazy. It's like the stars have aligned, you know, if you you find the the perfect uh, pharmacist and that's willing to do it on their day off and you, find the perfect two people that are already championing um, finding uh, vaccines for people in our industry mm-hmm. every which way they can. Yep. And we just, <clears throat> the stars aligned and we've found an opportunity to be able to, uh, hopefully we're going to get uh, this, this Monday is uh, the next one, but uh, we're all filled up. Sadly, it was quickly filled up. Yeah. Um, and then the following Monday as well. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll cross that 400, 400 people. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that you guys were, you know, and I think it's kind of that scrappiness of the industry too, that I always talk about. It's not, you know, it's not like you're going to wait until you get the infant, you know, invitation. I love the fact that you guys are active in it. Like, how can we make this happen for people in the industry? And so going out and finding, you know, the high V hookup and having them be understanding that the restaurant workers are the people who are in you know on the front lines every day you know dealing with people so it benefits everybody to get everybody vaccinated for sure absolutely have you absolutely. Fo- and yeah go ahead you know what once it's released on the 30th you know everyone's gonna have a shot at this so um you know we emphasize how important it is to try to get your vaccinations now um before the floodgates open and everyone's going to go after them. And that's good. The whole thing is great. Like, let's get everyone vaccinated as quickly as possible. That's where we stand on them. So, yeah. And I do know that there were a number of industry people who were kind of worried about timing of it because once they heard that the, you know, that it's going to go to everybody's available or eligible, you know, all those future appointments booked out fast, you know, online, but they'd already been sort of searching and it's harder, you know, sometimes it's harder to find, you know, uh, 
appointments that you can get to. And not all industry people have cars so they can drive to, you know, Sock Rapids or wherever people are going for it, you know, for St. Cloud and such. So it has been, uh, you know, a little bit more of a challenge. And I, I heard from a number of restaurant, you know, smaller restaurant groups who were very worried about it, about like, I'm not going to be able to get my people done, especially now that it's open to everybody. But you guys right. have done a really great job in helping people. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like I said, it, it's one of those things where if everybody just keeps helping each other out, you know, just like we have during the whole pandemic, I think it's all going to, like I said, finally have this wonderful bookend of, hey, 90% of our people are vaccinated and we have the ability to get anyone else vaccinated if they'd like. You right. Know? Right. And do you feel that most of your, have you have you found that most of your team is coming back and wants to be back? And, you know, we've seen a lot of, a lot of hire, now hiring signs everywhere and it seems like yeah. it's hard to find people. <laughs> what's, what's crazy is that a lot of, a lot of folks, you know, not just people that have worked for us, but just in the whole industry have gone out and found different lives, right? Yeah. Been a yeah. whole year. So, um, you know, the, those lives, you know, it's like, do they want to uproot what they've done for the last year to come back? Um, you know, what all the people, everyone is, uh, all the restaurants are opening up again. So there's all of this demand, this immediate demand for, you know, people to work for them. So it's, it's really hard to actually get people to, <laughs> to jump back on the ship. <laughs> but um, it, it is, and it's, it's you know, you, you got to kind of, you got to kind of dig, dig deep out there and see if people are still interested. But um, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing, you know, everyone's hiring, everyone's hiring, everyone's hiring. And it's like, well, yeah. a lot of new restaurants are going to be opening up too. Yeah. yeah. We've been seeing so many. Well, Mike, it's exciting and, um, get that ham. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm still thinking about the ham. I know you talked about a lot get of other stuff. Ham, yeah. Ham get that ham. Yeah. Great. Ham so, and prime rib, baby. That's me. I'm that. all about the prime oh, rib. I Hello. Like I know. That and I don't have cocktail, to. I will never turn that down. I yeah. can tell you that right now. I know. So thanks for calling in, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I love that. I just wanted to make sure that we got that chat in because I know that they're doing such good work. You know, no, it's really important, and um, everybody just moving forward. I know it's so true. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Um, so let's you know it is Easter. I mean, and that's the thing is like thinking about ham. All of a sudden, do you guys have Easter plans? Are you doing like stuff yourself? Are you cooking? What are you doing? We haven't even discussed it. We have not had one single conversation about it. Yeah. Um, and that conversation is going to happen. I've got a ham in the freezer. Uh, so, you know, I buy half a hog at a time from uh, Little Foot Farm in Afton. Right. And so uh, we made a commitment <laughs> to each other that we are not going to buy any more meat until we use every piece of meat that's in our freezer stuff. Okay. This is I'm good. in a deep freeze situation yeah. where I have a chest freezer. So everything is in there. And I only see what's on the top. I'm like rubbing my eyes talking about this because I'm getting so stressed. And um, so the goal is to eat through the entire freezer. I believe Jay has some sort of fully feathered frozen duck in there that he wanted to get, um, you know, taken to a taxidermist. I don't even know where it is in there. You've got to spelunk your freezer. I'm afraid to reach in there because I'm going to feel feathers, and I don't know why that gives me anxiety. Yeah, that shouldn't. Uh, But we made a whole commitment to each other that we are going to eat the meat that we have. So the part of that is um, is a ham, and it's always great to have a ham in the freezer. I love. um, I also love a honey baked ham. I think that's a 
great pink. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love ham and bean soup. I love split pea and ham soup. Thanks, Because Trey. a ham lasts forever. And nothing goes better with a ham than a Hawaiian roll. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. I think, and honestly, just, I mean, referencing back to uh, the thing I was thinking about the travail kit, like, and how much meat that, and how much food that is. For me, I was like, that's like meal prep. Like, totally. I have a week of food now for that. <laughs> you can make a great steak sandwich with a horsey sauce. <laughs> whip up a little horsey sauce, put yeah. it on there uh, with that prime rib uh, left over. You've got soup for days with yeah. the ham. I know, I, so think about your Easter meal as your meal prep. As your meal prep. It's a perfect way to do that, and I kind of, it's funny because Jake is always laughing at me because when I do like I make a big roast or whatever I made a giant pot roast the other day and he was like he was like you we're not gonna eat this all tonight I'm like no this is for pot roast sandwiches (laughs) and he's like you are always thinking about the second meal and I'm like well yeah and it's always a sandwich seriously make the meat once and then uh, or then put it in some sort of like noodle bowl or that, rice totally. bowl. Totally. Rice bowl. I that mean, is a pot it. roast, pot roast in a rice bowl. Oh. Add yourself some gochujang and call it a day. Yeah. You know what I've been doing is I just, I make, I've been scrambling. It's like my morning thing. I scramble the eggs and then I throw whatever meat from the night before. Yeah. It's just, so it's just like that, you know? I know. I've been making nonstop stuff. Um, it's a recipe from Pinch of Yum. Uh, which is a blog, and it's the um, the best ever peanut sauce. Oh. And I have been making it in jars and keeping it in the fridge, and then I put it on noodles and rice and, like, all of the vegetables. Yes. And it is making my quality of life significantly better, like multiple percentage points. It's better. weird how a sauce can do that, too. A sauce can do that. It and can when you've like, got the sauce in the fridge, yeah. all you have to think about is, Okay, what am I going to put this sauce yeah, on? Yeah. Not what am I going to make? What's my protein? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I've been doing that with like the quesadilla situation. Like the quesadilla is my vehicle. Yeah. And then I've been making all these different like like green sauces and red sauces, you know, like spicy salsas kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, and it's just like, it's really the quesadilla is like the base. And then whatever else I'm, whatever else I'm throwing on there has been these sauces, you know, and I've been doing, and I've been like also going really weird with like doing like a sesame soy sauce on my quesadilla. Delicious. I know that sounds strange. No, but that sounds like chive pancake. Yeah, exactly. Is like, what it sounds like to me. And I think there is something, you know, we've been really focused when we, when we talk about meal prep, this is sort of a flip the script idea. That instead of always going, okay, what kind of meat and grains am I going to prep and have in the fridge? Yeah. How about prep some sauces? Yes. So prep a few sauces and like Stephanie Meyer, Fresh Tart Steph, she's a great resource for sauces. Yep. Prep the sauces and then let the sauces speak to you. Oh, yeah. And her, then make it accordingly. Her scallion, or what is it? The soy yeah. scallion, ginger scallion uh, sauce is like the thing that lives in my fridge most often. I gotta make that. Oh, it's so, and it goes with every, like if you have leftover pot roast, you don't need anything with it, but like that sauce. And then it. maybe some cucumbers. Yeah, totally. And rice. Oh, yeah. Always have you been eating rice. a lot of rice? Yeah, I love rice. I love rice. Are you brown rice or are you white rice? I am white jasmine rice. Okay. And I feel very good about it. And I do buy white jasmine rice specifically that's California grown because it's lower in arsenic. Yeah. Um, because arsenic is naturally occurring in the soil. Mm-hmm. And so um, I buy that. I buy white jasmine rice that's grown in California. And then I, you know, listen, I'm going to sound like a real bozo here, but um, and every person of Asian descent is going to shake their head at me because I have never washed my rice. Yeah. I never rinse it or wash it. And 
I finally started doing it. Yeah. And it is, compl- and I was like, why is my rice so gloppy and clumpy and like sticky and yeah. blah? And I can't taste the individual grains. And then I was like, because I don't do what you're supposed to do, right, which is you, wash the rice. You're skipping So I step. put it in a colander and I just run water through it and yeah. I take my hands and I just swish, swish, swish until the water runs clear. Yep. And then I do, and then I cook the rice per cooking instructions. And ever since I started doing that, my rice game has improved. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's all it takes. In fact, the reason that I like to not rinse my rice is, oh, is usually only when I'm making like, you know, like those spam and rice sandwiches, yes. the masubis. Yep. And I make those because I want it to be super sticky. But then, you know, like that's like the whole point is like, that's what you need. But if you want to put it in like a nice little bowl, oh, you kind of yeah. want a little no. bit more definition in the grain. You definitely want that for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys, it. we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to wrap it up. But we have. Oh, we're so gonna, soon? I know it's crazy, but we have to talk about uh, some more Easter things. We've got a couple of questions that you guys sent in, so we'll answer those too. So we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm getting older. I could sing this just oh, all day. I, it was all I could do to hold my voice back. I mean, I literally <laughs> was like, nobody wants to hear me sing except for me. And <laughs> I do. I believe me, I do. Oh my God. Oh gosh. Well, hi everybody. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a fun show. We've had a oh, really great show. Lots of good information. Hopefully you guys have learned because we love to be of service, mm-hmm, but also, hopefully also entertained. Um, um, okay. So let's talk about a couple things that people were asking. Um, thoughts on the best kitchen sink. Oh gosh. I know. Um, I, I have a Kohler farmhouse. Do you like sink. the farmhouse? That's the question. I, I think. do like it. I like one big <clears throat> sink. I don't like a divided sink. You don't like a divided no, sink? No, a divided sink bugs me because I need to be able to fit everything in it. Now, the downside of it is I do have to clean my sink kind of a lot. Yeah. Because stuff gets in it. Yeah. Um, I do have the the like hole in it that goes down to the, the drain. Yeah. Hello. Sorry. That was that a would be the drain. brain. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, <laughs> the drain is off to the right. Okay. And the sink is slightly slanted. Sure. Which I like because I feel like I don't get water that just sits in there. Yep. Um, and I've got a little bit of a flow versus my mom, I think, has the hole in the center and she doesn't like that as much. Yeah, I do. I My old sink in the old house, which was gorgeous and beautiful, a very, you know... Um, <clears throat> stone apron sink and that's the same thing as we had a slant and we had but I still had the hole in the center which I think you're right I don't I wish that it would have been to the side yeah but I do remember it It wasn't slanted enough and so I would get that standing water in the corners and we got kind of some funk you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you'd have to work hard to make sure that you cleaned it every day yeah you do I think cleaning the, the that's the one downside of the porcelain sink listen I've seen really fantastic stainless steel sinks yeah that looks super cool yeah I'm fine with stainless steel me too I don't even know what the sink is my new house is going to be, but I've been working with an apron sink that's a two-part sink, and I don't love it because now the garbage disposal on the one side isn't working, so I've had to switch. Mm. You know, I've switched sides, so like I'm not, so I'm using the garbage disposal side to dry things, and the other side I just have the, you know, like the trap thing. But I'll tell you, it is not okay. So if like on a two-sided sink, you get used to like one arm and right-handedness. Yeah, and I've flipped it, and it's completely messed up my game. <laughs> it's so weird. The other feeling. thing that I have over the top is we have like sort of a rack that is. I can roll it and unroll it. Food oh. 52 has a really good one that's actually better looking than the one that I have okay. that hangs over the edge of your sink so that you can dry things without a rack in the sink. That's nice. And See, the that's... other thing I like to use it for, Steph, is um, like rinsing off vegetables. Yeah. When I'm juicing, I actually will lay that rack out and then kind of wash my vegetables and then set them up on the rack and then run them through the juicer. Yeah. 
Yeah, I used to have, now that we're talking about it, I used to have, I had two sinks, but they were separate. I had one on one island and then one over by the window in the old house. And I, we didn't have, that's where we had like the rack, but it was the rack on the counter, which was a stainless steel counter and a stainless steel sink. Okay. And that worked out. Yeah. But that seriously is I like, don't think we gave you the best nope, kitchen we sure thing, but we, did, we certainly gave you thoughts. <laughs> we don't know. We gave you a lot of thoughts. It's so personal, but the hardest part, I think, is that that's the thing. is like you kind of have to have gone through a couple... You have to go through time with something to know what works for you and what doesn't. I know. And I know. You, you don't really get that. Yeah, that's why it's good to not do a renovation right when you move in. This Live is key. a little bit. Literally, like this new house, I'm obviously going to do some painting and stuff like that, but that's, I'm not... Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, and that's fine, but like I'm a big proponent of I need to live in it for a year and figure, you know, for time and figure out like how that all goes. Steph, we have a whole porch that we thought was going to be our favorite part of the house. <laughs> and our, and we were like, we're going to hang out in this porch. We're going to drink coffee in this porch. We're going to relax in this porch. This porch is either too hot or too cold at any given moment, Stephanie. Yeah. I mean, the temperature is horrendous. Yeah, right. And the floor does not feel good on your feet. Yeah. And it kind of stinks out there. <sighs> and so now the next project is we're mowing down the walls and making the porch part of the house because... And we would have never known that right? until you live in it for a yeah. couple of years. Nope, you don't. And that's the thing about buying a house, which is nice, is, you know. Take not, your time. And you don't have to. That's the thing is I've learned with this one is that it's, doesn't, it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay because you want to make it perfect for you. Yeah. You know so. who's doing a really great job of showing that is um, Kate Aaron's at Wit and Delight. Yes, very so, much so. Kate is doing such a cool thing. And she bought a house um, not that far from me. And she is um, in St. Paul. And it is a house that had very quirky things that many people would say are dated. Yes. And so a lot of people might think someone like Kate Aarons from Wit and Delight is going to come in and mow everything down and make it all white and gray and it's going to be all fresh and modern looking. Yeah. She is doing the complete opposite of that. She's incorporating her own style and she's and and then she's figuring out what works with the finishes that are already in there. Yeah. And it's costing so much less. Yep. And it means that her house doesn't look like everybody else's House. If you're feeling like my house feels dated and I'm annoyed with that, you've got to take a look at what Kate is doing because yep. it's going to inspire you to work with what you have. True. Wit and delight. And she does little design workshops on her Instagram and yeah. little things about like, here's what you need to think about. Like, here's an easy refresh for this, a weird bathroom, like hang a plant, you know, yes. just, like little tips that help you so that you're not like, I need to rip everything out and start over. And can I also say, I'm going to give a shout out since we're doing a little house talk, is that, you know, don't fall prey to you need to paint everything gray. I will tell you, no. the flippers have ruined the gray paint for me because every single house is like gray walls and white woodwork and these, you know, these like these sort of smoky gray floors. And it's like, I don't know, there's not a lot of personality there. Let your let your weird stuff show. Yeah. Don't be afraid of color. Yeah. Don't be afraid of color. That's have always fun with it. That's I mean, I haven't had an orange wall in my old old house and I fully and because this was a rental I wasn't going to do it to them I know but I fully intend on bringing back the orange wall the other thing is even if you want to do you know like we did all white in our kitchen um because I love that feeling but yeah. a lot of wood too and yeah. like warmth we yes. added our island is all a deep it's like a deep dark stain that's the same as our floors right so adding in warmth that way and then gold hardware adds a lot of warmth too yeah um but I, I get it fun. if you're sitting in a honey oak kitchen you might be feeling like okay yeah good Talk. I'm gonna have to paint the cabinets. Just paint those cabinets. That's fine. I'm all good with that. My neighbor just painted hers. Listen, I walked up the back sidewalk the other day and then I texted her and I was like, I don't want to be too forward that I was staring in your windows, but it looks like you got the cabinet painting project done. <laughs>
<laughs> you does. are the stocky neighbor. <laughs> I said sorry. Well done. Well done. <sighs> hey, we also had a question. Someone wants us to repeat the reverse steering technique. Just kind of a quick overview. Um, and I would just tell you that it's it's easy. Whatever meat you have, lightly season it. And then slow and low. If you're doing it in the oven, if you're doing it on the grill, you want to go slow and low. Check your temps. Make sure whatever it is, whatever if it's pork, if it's beef, it's a different temp. And you get it right below your ideal temp. Yep, right below. And then you pull it out. And then you get something that's really, really hot. And then, you know, like a cast iron pan or something like that. And then you do the sear after. Normally, people are like, sear it first and then stick it in the oven. And then stick it in the oven. This is the opposite. This is the opposite. It's really easy once you... And once you get your brain around it, the meat is going to be better because it has more time to sort of, you know... uh, I don't want to say gel because that sounds weird. But it does. It sort of has this sort of time to kind of come together and bind itself. It's like you get the the yummy tender breakdown and the juices flowing slowly on the inside before you hit it with the heat on the outside instead of going, oh, this is hot on the outside and raw in the middle. Yep. You get more of like a consistent inside. It's really great. And again, I mean, you can do it with also, you can do it with chicken, you yeah. can do it with pork. I cannot say enough about the goodness of pork chops with the reverse sear Yeah, method. no, that's what we're having tonight. We're having oh, pork chops. I can't yes. wait. I know, it's so good. Um, I did want to shout out another thing for Easter. You guys, I needed to make sure that you know about them. And that is Solovino, you know, our lovely friend Chuck Kansky. So sweet. I mean, he is doing, he's been doing this. You know, he's the guy who is the uh, rosé tent tasting guy. Yeah. Remember? And he's, you know, he didn't do it last year. I don't think he did it the year before even. Or he did it in a smaller way. He's not doing those huge ones anymore. But he is the rosé guy. The guy knows more about rosé than anybody I've ever met. And he is being putting together these six packs, these rosé six packs of wine. And he's got one that you can order right now. It's $75, six bottles of rosé wine that he's picking up, and that'll last you through Easter. Boom. Done. Rosé for the resurrection. There it is, rosé all day. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us. Love hanging out with you. So great. Happy Easter to everybody. Happy spring. You guys, we'll see you on the flip of this. Ciao, ciao.